It's not a response of doubt, but of trust when we come and we lament before God. Hello friends, today I would like to talk with you about the spiritual discipline of lament. And lament is a beautiful gift from God to help us navigate our lives of faith in a broken world. Because lament moves us toward God. I don't know about you, but when I used to think about lament and uh, kind of these complaining psalms or prayers in the Bible, I would always kind of think of them as a moment of weakness. But the more I've understood lament, the more I understand that it's actually not a moment of weakness. It's an act of faithfulness. It's not a response of doubt, but of trust. When we come and we lament before God, the circumstances that are causing us sadness or frustration. Here's a definition of lament by Dr. Mary Glenn from Fuller Seminary. She says, lament is the practice of naming and navigating personal pain, longing, and loss. And so in the Bible, we see a lot of lament. Uh, depending on who you read, some scholars say that the book of Psalms is 60% uh, laments. Others say about 40%. But either way, laments are a big chunk of the book of Psalms. Uh, some examples of community laments would be Psalm 12, 44, 58, 74, 80, 85, and there are lots more. And then in Psalm 3, 4, 5, 7, 14, 22, 25, and more, these are individual laments. And of course, in the Old Testament, there's even a book called Lamentations. Let me share this quote with you from the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook by Adele Calhoun, and she quotes Anne Voskamp, and she says, Lament is a cry of belief in a good God, a God who has his ear to our hearts, a God who transfigures the ugly into beauty. Complaint is the bitter howl of unbelief in any benevolent God in this moment, a distrust in the love beat of the Father's heart. And so that's a beautiful distinction between complaining and lamenting. When we lament something before God, we're not coming and complaining. We're coming in an attitude of trust, in an attitude of sadness over the brokenness of this world over the brokenness of our own lives, but it's exactly, it's precisely because we believe and we trust in God's goodness that we're willing to approach him and to pour out our hearts to him. Walter Brueggemann in Praying the Psalms, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, but in his book Praying the Psalms, he talks about this idea of dislocation and relocation, that as we go through life, we have these seasons where we're securely oriented then we're painfully disoriented, and then we're surprisingly reoriented. And so in his book, he writes about how the Psalms are a model for us to be honest about what's going on in our lives, that the Psalms are not happening in a vacuum, but they're happening in actual history among a people group who was, you know, who kind of knew the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Israel knew the joy of being in covenant with God and being blessed by God, and they knew the sorrow and the despair of 
being faithless to their covenant and being rejected by God and having the punishment of their faithfulness come upon them. And so the Psalms give us permission to be honest in our journeys through life. In those moments when we become painfully disoriented, the Psalms provide a template for us to pour out our heart to God, not to reject God, not to respond faithlessly, but to respond faithfully and to bring all of our disappointments and all of our frustrations and all of our sadness and to bring it before the Lord because he is good. We bring it before him because we're confident in how good he is. Adele Calhoun defines lament this way, prayers of lament are ways to approach God with the realities of sorrow, frustration, and angst that consume and distract. And she says the practices include putting words to the contents of my heart, trusting God to hold the pain while I cry and rail, praying the Psalms of lament, like we talked about before, community laments and individual laments, and entering the wilderness with Jesus when we're tempted by the evil one. And she highlights some of the God-given fruit of the spiritual discipline of lament. She says that honesty, awareness of your internal weather, a trust in God's ability to hold all of you, going to the depths with God rather than catastrophic thinking, and casting your burdens on God rather than shouldering them all alone. These are some of the fruits of the practice of lament. And so lament is such a healthy practice. It's such a wonderful gift of God to his people to be able to take the hard things in life. And instead of letting those things harden our hearts towards God or letting those things drive us away from God, lament allows us to bring those things into our relationship with God and to lament from a place of agony to a place of hope. So lament gives voice to our suffering to help us move through grief and doubt and depression and anxiety and frustration and all these things rather than to become stuck there, rather to get bogged down in the morass of this, you know, introspection and the paralysis of analysis, you know, where we just gaze at our belly buttons and we just think about our own situation. When we lament, we're bringing these things to God and we're saying, Lord, why are these things this way? Not that we're obligating God to answer any of our questions, but we're engaging in a relationship. We're engaging in a conversation, if you will, with the Lord. And again, you know, I've talked a lot about on on this podcast how to engage with one that you can't see, you can't hear, you can't touch with your physical senses requires that we move in the Spirit. It requires that we come to God in the Spirit and we engage with Him in the Spirit. I'm not talking about only just our thoughts and our words, but a true interaction in the Spirit. God even invites His people, you know, in Isaiah when He says, come and let us reason together. God is inviting us to be interactive with him. God's not wanting us just to pretend like everything's fine and to show up at church on Sunday and to sing victorious uh, praise and worship songs when in reality, you know, we're distraught and we're we're depressed. God's inviting us to bring all of that into his presence. And lament gives us a vehicle to move through those seasons, those dark nights of the soul in hope, knowing that God is with us and knowing that God is a suffering God, that Jesus came to the earth and his solution to human suffering was to come and suffer on behalf of humanity. 
I think I've read this on this podcast before, but Timothy Keller writes in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, it is through the suffering of God that the suffering of humankind will eventually be overcome and undone. In his book, Raging with Compassion, John Swinton writes, Lament enables a movement from death and loss into hopeful new possibilities that encourage a vision of a meaningful and providential future. So when we lament to God, it's not a moment of weakness or a moment of unbelief. It's a response of faithfulness. It's a response of trusting that he's a good God and that we should be distraught over the brokenness of the world, over the brokenness of our own lives. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I believe he's specifically talking about those who mourn their own sinfulness, those who mourn their brokenness, that Jesus came to comfort all those who mourn. And the comfort is that God has forgiven our sins, that the blood of Jesus has paid the price for our sins, and that God is no longer counting our sin against us, that by one sacrifice on the cross, Jesus was the propitiation for our sins. And propitiation is a kind of a theological term, but it's a great word to learn. The Webster's Dictionary defines propitiate uh, to gain or regain the favor of or goodwill of. So through the death of Jesus, we regain the favor and the goodwill of God, and our sin is never, ever counted against us. And that's what Hebrews talks about in chapter 10, where it says that if God were still counting our sin against us, Jesus would have to die over and over and over, but that his sacrifice was adequate, that he died one time, once for all sin, and that God will never count our sin against us again. And so this is what helps us move through lament, knowing that Christ came and he joined us in our suffering, not just to come and commiserate with us, but that he might lead us out, that he might give us hope in the midst of difficult times. And so when we lament, we can lament our own sinfulness and our own brokenness as human beings. We can lament the brokenness and the sinfulness of the world around us. We can lament the displacements that Brueggemann talked about, that we go from these times of being securely oriented to painfully disoriented in the hope of being surprisingly reoriented, trusting that God is going to bring all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purposes, according to Romans chapter 8. And so lament is this really valuable tool that we can use as believers. Now, one of the things we need to pay attention to when we go to the Psalms is in the Bible, the Psalms are the hymn book of the Old covenant. And so we have a new covenant with God, and the old covenant, Hebrews says, is obsolete. And so we need to use discernment as we use the Psalms in new covenant worship, because some of the Psalms don't fit into the new covenant. Uh, An obvious example is David when he's uh, repenting and he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Well, We know that God has promised us as new covenant believers that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And so that language and that attitude really doesn't have a place in the new covenant. But that doesn't mean that all of the Psalms are irrelevant. They still provide a wonderful template for us to learn how to lament, to learn how to be honest in our language and in our attitude towards God, that we can bring our most painful 
emotions and painful memories and the things that are causing us distress. And we can bring those to God and we can lament in his presence. So we can use the Psalms as we practice this spiritual discipline of lament, but we do need to be uh, aware that the Psalms were the Old Covenant songbook, the Old Covenant hymn book. And so they were not written for New Covenant worshipers. They were written for Old Covenant worshipers. And there's a lot of foreshadowing in the Psalms of the New Covenant that is to come, a lot of prophecy about Jesus coming. But when we lament in the New Covenant, we're not lamenting that God has forsaken us or that God is punishing us for our sins because God has already put the punishment for our sins on to Jesus, and God has promised that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. So we don't have to lament um, the way that an old covenant Jew might have lamented this idea that I've been unfaithful to the covenant, and so now God has rejected me. As new covenant believers in 2 Timothy, God promises us, even if we are faithless, he is faithful because he cannot disown himself. And so God is faithful to us as believers in the new covenant. We are joined with Christ. We are part of his body. We are his bride. He will never reject us. But we can still use lament as a tool in our kind of spiritual tool bag to help us move through these times that are difficult, these times when we see so much pain and suffering and difficulty in the earth. Lament is a wonderful tool that allows us to bring these things into God's presence and to move through these times with a hopeful attitude that Christ is making all things new. Now, Hebrews chapter uh, 2 verse 8 says this, Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. And so in this world, we see that Christ is establishing his kingdom. We see the kingdom of God expanding. We see the church growing. But we don't see everything in subjection to Christ yet. We don't see everyone obeying Jesus yet at this time. And that is worth lamenting. That's where lamenting comes in, in these moments. Even so, there's there's kind of the micro level of our own hearts when our own hearts are not subject to the reign, to the rulership, to the lordship of Jesus. And we can lament those and we can be sorrowful for those moments. But also then at the macro level where we see societies and systemic rebellion to God and systemic disobedience and systemic um, turning away and not acknowledging Jesus as Lord. And we can lament those things too. And the disasters and the catastrophes and all of the pain in the world, we can bring that to God. And so I just want to talk for a moment about what it would look like to lament in a contemporary context. And I want to use John Swinton again because he offers some ideas and some instructions for small groups or individuals to write psalms of lament today in our modern context. And so he identifies these six uh, characteristics of a lament. Instructions for writing lament psalms. Number one, they are addressed to God. Number two, they contain a complaint. Number three, there is an expression of trust. Number four, there is an appeal 
or a petition. Number five, there is an expression of certainty. And number six, the conclusion is a vow of praise. And so I'd like to share with you a lament that I wrote about six weeks ago. And I wrote this with my in-laws in mind because my in-laws are all in Wuhan. And they are quarantined and now they've been quarantined for uh, going on two months. Uh, I have relatives who have not been out of their apartments in two months. And so about six weeks ago, I wrote this lament um, just to present their situation to God and to um, use the tool of lament to try and respond faithfully to the difficulty um, that's in front of us. So uh, this was the lament I wrote. God of the quarantined, our asylum, you embraced the leper. Will you embrace us in our global shame and isolation? The nations curse our name. We are left to ourselves. Empty shelves remind us we are alone. Yet you are Emmanuel. Deliver us before we are consumed. We will not wither in despair, for you will hear us. When this passes, we will remember. Your love lit our eyes. Your presence steadied our hearts. We will praise you in our masks and forever without them. And so that's just one example of how we might use lament. And, you know, more recently, I use lament for something much less important and um, much less consequential. I just had this one little circumstance in my life that was causing me difficulty, causing me a little bit of anxiety. And I set a timer on my phone for two minutes. And I said, I'm going to lament this situation for two minutes. And then I'm going to move on to the next step of solving this problem. And again, it wasn't a huge catastrophic situation, but it was something that was causing me stress. And so I set a little timer and I had my lament time with the Lord. I said, Lord, this is my situation. It's making me sad. It's making me anxious. I'm frustrated about it. And I poured out my heart to the Lord. And, you know, of course, not everything can be lamented in two minutes. For that particular situation, it was about the right amount of time. But any given situation, Uh, may require an extended time of lamenting. It may require us journaling. It may require us writing our own psalm or song or prayer of lament. But this is such a useful tool, and it's such a liberating thing to know that God welcomes us into his presence with our laments, and that our laments are a blessing from God to move us through times of difficulty in a posture of faithfulness, that we're still responding faithfully. And so you may be uh, in, a, in a season of lament, you may be in a season of joy, and you can just save this for perhaps some other season of your life. Just put it away. And uh, Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. So just hang on to it. And when the time that you need to lament comes, just remember. But you may right now, you may be in a moment of lament. You may be feeling that a disoriented uh, experience where we are shockingly disoriented, painfully disoriented. And uh, this may be a perfect moment for you to take your lament and to, to use this tool that God has given us and to allow it to move you from despair to hope. 
that that or, or you might use the psalms the the laments that we find in the psalms as a launching point to position you in the proper place in your relationship with god that the psalms can create for us a place of retreat a place of refuge a place of safety where we can be honest with the lord about what's going on in our lives and so i hope this is a blessing to you i hope if you're in a moment that requires lament that you will set aside the appropriate amount of time and just take that situation before the lord and feel free and recognize that this is a good gift from God, that this is a spiritual discipline, a spiritual practice that he has given us so that we can respond faithfully in a broken world, that we don't have to respond in despair, that we don't have to respond in depression, that we don't have to sit in front of the television 24 hours, seven days a week, waiting for the next headline to come through, that we can shut it all off and we can take the bad news and we can bring it into God's presence and we can put it into the proper perspective. And that's the great blessing of lament. And so I hope it will be a blessing to you. I hope if you're in that moment right now that you'll do that and that you will experience the hope that comes through pouring our hearts out to God and knowing that he is with us and knowing that he is victorious even in all of our circumstances. As Romans says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you for listening. God bless you. When mountains fall waters rise I stand secure and fix my eyes on you and you alone Jesus when mountains fall when waters rise I stand secure Crumbles 
Your love is great, your arm is strong, you work salvation for the humble You are my hope 